There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it, everybody. Welcome to the cult popskers. The cult popskers. The come on, this is podcast. Well, so I, 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 I didn't know where you were going with that because we do do a series on the Oscars, <laughs> and then also true. this. I was like, I'm this. I'm not. I'm not Aaron. I'm Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, and also this like wrap up that we're doing. We don't like give awards. But maybe no. Maybe we maybe should. Maybe we awards. should. Maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you were so enamored with my excellent wordplay that you didn't know what to say. You I was left speechless. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to no but your suggestion of cult popskers, and I'm yes. going to say actually no, AJ. This is the podcast of everything we watched this year. Um, Correct. That's that's what it is. So get it right. Yeah. It is not most disappointing. It is not, I think that's the only other thing we ever called it. But yeah. no, this is, welcome everybody, I'm AJ, over there's Richard, over Hi there's again. Jeremy. Hi and there, this everyone. Is, this is our annual wrap-up, something no other podcast in the world does, where we look back at the previous calendar year, talk about every film we saw in that calendar year. And some Maybe we didn't crown- see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe crown a favourite. And maybe crown a most disappointing for old time's sake. Uh, this is probably part one. Um, probably unless, yes. Un- by unless by some miracle we don't talk about we don't talk for three hours here. So. <laughs> unless by some miracle we only talk about the movies that Jeremy saw, and then it'll be about a twenty-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And that that's that's a big deal, Jeremy, because earlier this week you were like, do you guys want me on this episode? Like, I haven't seen anything. We had a group call, guys. We had a we Well, had a initially you had a call, which I was not invited to. <laughs> and then I was like, Richard, can you get on this call? And you were like, what call? A devastating way to find out. <laughs> and But ultimately we decided that it really isn't um, every film we saw this year without Jeremy's sass, without his um, contrarian nature, <laughs> frankly, without him frustrating the living shit out of Richard and I uh, by inexplicably asking us to move on in the middle of a of a discussion. So yeah, we brought him we're back. Building up. The people's choice! The people's <laughs> choice! Quite, no, quite specifically, probably not the people's choice. I, after, <laughs> after, your annou- after your announcement last week, AJ, that you were not going to be doing as much on the pod and you're like but don't worry everyone on off weeks we're probably going to hear more from jeremy and more from jess and then <laughs> like in the discord and everyone's like yay more jess <laughs> <laughs> they'll take what they're given yeah. <laughs> so this is uh as always this is like a sequel a, a mirror image it's like it's poetry they uh it's the fulfillment 
yeah of the every film we will watch in 2023 podcast which we released around this time last year uh up top there's always films that we miss and we will be talking about there'll be some films that only one of us have seen some that two of us and some that all three of us have seen but i did just want to rattle off a few that people might be expecting us to talk about that none of us saw so don't expect us to talk this about is, them. This is the best part of the episode. Uh, this is <laughs> so, where the like, content you're not getting. <laughs> and what's going to be great, amazing is that you guys can actually go back into the analytics of like your podcast apps and, and you can see where the listeners dropped off and yeah, you see yeah, how yeah. like what percentage of the audience were just tuning in for these movies. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, uh, yeah, no, no chatting about Five Nights at Freddy's, May, December, The Holdovers, Napoleon. Oh, sorry. I'm... I have seen The Holdovers. I've seen The Holdovers. Oh, it just wow. came out like yeah. yesterday. I, I, know, I saved off from all the Oscar yeah, likely yeah. nominees because we're doing a separate show about them. So. Yeah, which I would have thought Napoleon would be, but it lost a lot of steam. <laughs> wow. uh, Iron Claw comes out like next week uh, in, in New Zealand. Saw X, I don't think any of us saw. Is that right? No. Uh, Aquaman 2 only just recently came out and uh, and no one saw that no one saw it didn't make any any sort of impact uh, Blue Beetle I think we all just I, I wanted to see it I was overseas when it came out uh, Nimona was apparently a very good animated film on Netflix uh, mm-hmm. Dream Scenario is only just like coming out in New Zealand uh, Maestro none of us have watched Priscilla none of us have watched American Fiction isn't out here and Wish uh, hilariously I've seen, like, I've seen big... a bit of sorry I've seen a bit of Priscilla classic Jeremy he's seen, he's seen it Did, do you want to talk about it when we get there Jeremy the bit I have of some I have some things to say about why I've only seen a bit, a bit of Priscilla <laughs> uh, but yeah like, it's like there's a few as I would call reverse Mandela effects like films like Wish and I mean Aquaman 2 is one and Expendables 4 came out this year oh Expendables 4 Jesus Christ that's crazy. Um, and also, this is uh, Richard's job now, but it's something I did when I was editor, so you'd better keep it up. There will be time codes in the show notes for when we talk about each film, because uh, if all three of us have seen it, I doubt we won't spoil it. I think mm. that's generally how it goes. Because <laughs> yeah. Jer- Jeremy specifically it, cannot talk about movies without spoiling them. <laughs> I think if one of us hasn't seen it, we generally try to, to shy away from well, spoilers. Film, but. Yeah. It depends on the film. Yeah. So if you guys will join me, you, the audience, as well as Jeremy, get that microphone out of your mouth. That is my microphone. I have lent to you. <laughs> uh, all the it. way back in in January, <laughs> which you know, famously a dumping ground for terrible films, the first sort of surprise hit of the year was M. Thregan or Megan about the, mm. the film shot in New Zealand about a little robot doll going on a killing spree. And yeah, it was like this was, I remember I, I got to see it early, but I remember when the, and thinking like, I think that was good, but I'm maybe not the best judge of, of these things sometimes. And then uh, the Ron Tomato score came out and it was like 80s or maybe even 90s. And people were like, Megan's good. Mm. What did you think of it, AJ? Uh, I barely fucking remember it. I, we were just talking pre-pod. I actually consider this a 2022 film. <laughs> Pushes glasses up nose. Um, gl- finger slips and pokes himself in the eye. Um, no, I don't know. I, I mean, there's remember no way this. for you to have seen it in 2022. I must have. I think I watched it illegally in 2022. No, you didn't. Well, then I must have watched it very early 2023. Yeah, it came the out like is- first week of... 2023 mm. but it's a 2023 film 
So what I'm basically saying, Richard, is that it's a movie that I saw this in the year we're talking about. <laughs> which is what you're saying <laughs> yeah um, i don't know i didn't think it was that notable i didn't think it was that interesting i think uh, just the main thing bring is that it's on like, more it, sequels it's better than you would expect you watch this I on the 31st so. of jan 2023 aj so. <laughs> you motherfucker <laughs> so actually quite far into the year by, by some metrics <laughs> less than a year ago to this day <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah not much else came out in january but february we had uh one of the ones i was reasonably excited for coming out knock at the cabin new m night Shyamalan film mm-hmm. I, I i quite enjoyed this like Shyamalan's an, an interesting one that like Every one of his films that are, like, half decent are like, is this a return to form? And, <laughs> like, because, I mean... What, the next one sucks. Yeah, because <laughs> what was his last one before this would have been... Uh, was old? old? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Beach That Makes You Old, which didn't do very well with no. with critics or audiences. And, no. yeah, Knock at the Cabin, I thought uh, Dave Bautista, like, the really interesting cast, Dave Bautista was great in, in the role. And, and he, they, this was... He turned down something else to do this, I'm pretty sure, or, or something, but... Um, it was Army of the Dead with Zack Snyder. Oh no, no, he he turned down uh, no, he the suicide. He turned down the suicide squad down, yeah. to do Army of the Dead. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, AJ, what would you think of Knock at the Cabin? So this feels like uh, it came out in 2022. Oh, this felt <laughs> no, so I um I was well into my job at Letterboxd when this came out. Yeah. So I was editing like Knock at the Cabin had quite a few like red carpet interviews and, mm. and junkets. So like I was editing multiple videos on Knock at the Cabin. I was watching interviews. I watched an interview with M. Night Shyamalan where he just flat out responds to like people saying he's a bad storyteller. And he's, <laughs> and he's said something which i i respect so much which is like uh he was like i would rather swing for the fences than mm. play it safe you know i would i'd rather make something crazy that maybe isn't for everyone than make nothing than yeah. make anything else you know and i thought that was such a cool way to put it um i think old is very funny but not not a good movie yeah. um but i do you know some of my favorite movies uh regrettably in night Shyamalan films i think <laughs> despite um, my better judgment <laughs> yeah exactly and i watched knock at the cabin hearing it was like quote unquote one of the good ones mm. um and Ah, I'm not sure I agree. As much as I respect them for swinging for the fences, this this film's stock just plummeted as the year went on. Like, mm. there was a point where I was like, that was pretty good, and then it just sort of started sinking lower. Well, better films came on, out, yeah. Uh, but, that, but exactly, and don't get me wrong, I think Dave Bautista's great in it. I really like Jonathan Groff yeah. as an actor. I didn't necessarily think he was amazing in this, but yeah. uh, it's just, it's... I think M. Night Shyamalan, to, to, to dig a little deeper into his shortcomings, you know, because yeah. people people spout out the same shit over and over again. It, oh, it does twists, it does stupid dialogue and, and stuff like that. I think in this one, it was really just like, it gets to a point where it just feels so hopeless. The situation constructed mm. feels hopeless. And then the ending is one of those endings where I don't feel inspired or i don't feel like hope returned by the end of the film but the film seems to think that hope returned right. <laughs> and You're so like, no I, m night Shyamalan, that that actually doesn't count as a good ending i'm sorry that that's not happy i found it quite miserable in the end it's it's it ends with if we if we may spoil knock at i the am cabin, not gonna watch Jeremy. it 
it ends with um one of the two gay dads uh i think it's jonathan groff's character um decides to he he, he has to die to save the world which is the the Damoc- sort of damocles hanging over the whole film um and it's a it, i remember thinking this is a movie about the genuine real world struggles of being like a gay man a gay father in the modern world right like they are both um victims of like assault um go like that you see in flashback and it ends with like the remaining father and the daughter like driving off into the post-apocalyptic sunset and i was like no 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 this movie is about like what the world has taken from these two men it should end with them taking something for themselves and letting the world die so that they can continue to live yeah otherwise otherwise it kind of feels a bit like using using a minority for tragedy porn yeah for sure for sure absolutely because i mean that that's something that that is a critique of many filmmakers who who try to sort of make a film about an issue that they're not actually personally attached to and they're like oh look how i'm shining a spotlight on how hard it is for this community and the community can often be like um yeah could you stop using us to like make people feel bad and actually tell stories where we get to be happy the barrier gaze trope but the it's funny aj because what you're describing is actually the ending of the book it's based on um oh true in, in, in <laughs> well the, that's better i think in the book the i i'm remembering a wikipedia article i read almost a year ago but the it's like <laughs> where's the, rachel when you need her <laughs> the daughter <laughs> dies uh like by accident sort of thing and they're like the the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse that have shown up the dave batista's gang they're like you still need to make a sacrifice and they are like i do not want to like serve a god who wouldn't accept her just dying as a sacrifice so Mm. fuck you we're just gonna we're gonna carry on um yeah and so then they then they leave and turns out oh the apocalypse was real um and you've doomed all of humanity but yeah like I, i think it's because I I interviewed uh, Jonathan Groff and and Ben Aldridge for the film and, and among um and also Batista and Shyamalan, but the yeah one of the cool things they sort of said about it is that it's like even though you say there's all the subtext, but it's like you know a major motion picture that's just like has a gay couple at the center of it, and it's like totally. it, it could it could be a, a straight couple like because a lot of what you're describing you know is is subtext sort of thing um that you could i guess just remove from the film but yeah it's like the the representation well, they, they still... get they get assaulted for other reasons yeah 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 you know, it's it's not but um necessarily. but yeah and and dave batista's character because the whole thing is that it's like they are these people uh they're, they're burdened with having to carry this out and it's like they are so conflicted and it's like i can totally see why batista took on the role because it's like it's a challenging performance. He's just a school teacher who happens to look like Dave Batista does and mm. is the one burdened with carrying out, um, you know, saving the world. Yeah. 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 Uh, Magic Mike's last dance I thought saw, thought was pretty sexy. Um, <laughs> Gave uh, me a boner. Uh, um, anyway, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> <laughs> I do just, just, just quickly mention the Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, Guerre, the Guy Ritchie film. There's like, because Guy Ritchie also had another film out this year, The Covenant with um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and then he's got like another film coming out that it's like, 
every six months there is a new Guy Ritchie film I have never heard of <laughs> until I see a poster. And it's like, yeah. like Operation Fortune was a lot of fun. It sort of, it sets up like it's trying to be a franchise. But uh, yeah, like Josh Hartner, it was a lot of fun on it. And um, Hugh Grant is like, shifted into a different part of his career and is, is having a lot of fun mm. and seems to love working with Guy Ritchie. Well, here's the tragedy of Guy Ritchie, right? Mm. Is whenever he makes a big mainstream film, it's something like Aladdin, yeah. a live-action Aladdin. And all of us film podcasters, we go, Guy, you had a niche with Lockstock and Snatch. Why are you making stuff like like Aladdin when you should be like doubling down into your like London gangster film niche? And he goes, "Okay, I'll make The Gentleman or Operation Fortune." Wrath of Man. And these, and, the, yeah, yeah, these these movies come out, and I go, "I'm not seeing that. Looks shit." Yeah. <laughs> so sad. I feel so bad for Guy Ritchie. Yeah, yeah, but he's, he's King, got a niche. I saw King Arthur. I don't feel bad for Guy Ritchie. <laughs> yeah. Like part one of nine or whatever it was meant. To to be uh <laughs> and man of the wasp quantum mania uh the first uh, this was interesting because i i was thinking about you know we quite often like assign a theme to a year like I mean, 2021 or 22 was like this is amazing filmmakers not doing their best work and it's interesting like i feel like and this will probably be we'll talk about this a lot more but like there was a bit of a blockbuster crash in 2023 i, I, I and you know, you the immediate response to that is that it's like it's one of the highest grossing years. It might be the highest grossing year post COVID, but the a lot of the sure things that like traditional blockbusters flopped, and so we had like Marvel had their biggest flops ever. The um Indian new Indiana Jones flopped, and there was just like a lot of things that, uh, and and even the the successes Barbie and Oppenheimer weren't the ones that people were necessarily predicting to make over a billion dollars, but um. I also I also was thinking that especially as I caught up with a lot of the films that I was like 2023 is like 2020 three and a half stars <laughs> it's like I feel like this is the year of three and a half star movies that there were so many films I was like that's pretty good knock at yeah, the cabin is a three and a half star movie like work, yeah, workman yeah. like films Ant-Man and the Wasp <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp would love three and a half stars yeah uh Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania probably the worst marvel movie like oh i mean i i am loath to talk about marvel movies anymore and this is the last year you'll hear me do it because this might even be the last no i saw guardians but i didn't see the marvels i am i said this a year ago and i'm sticking to it i am done with cape shit the only the only superhero stuff i'm still watching is spider-verse that's the only one I can think of that I'm still watching. Are you going to go see Deadpool um, three? Uh, probably not. Maybe <laughs> if it's good, if people implore me to see it. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't watch this. Like, if is there a sequel to the Batman? Yeah, Batman Part Two is coming out. I mean, maybe I wasn't even that impressed with the Batman though. Like, I, I just, I, I was. It was enough of a. It was enough of a directorial vision for me to like be interested. For sure, at least. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I think what you're talking about is like you're done with Marvel's and Justice League crap. Yeah, for sure. Like the sort of continuing spiral of like yeah. superhero shit of the same thing, the same not good enough thing, um, and. This this movie, I funnily enough, didn't think it was as bad as everyone else did. I don't think it's the worst Marvel movie. I think. Yeah, I guess AJ, you love Marvel. I just love Marvel too much <laughs> to, to truly think that. Um, 
what can we say on this? It is an eyesore. It's like an it's almost entirely movie. CGI environment. It looks like shit. Um, well, the, they, the interesting thing about it is that this was filmed a lot using the volume, which is the right. digital green screen that they developed for The Mandalorian, where mm. um, essentially, you know, performing in front of like an LCD screen so that you can actually see what's going on. But it looks like shit. It looks disgusting. I, I, yeah, I wonder yeah. if the volume is just in its awkward adolescent yeah, yeah. phase. Or, where, like, it's I mean, like same with green screen, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, like what I've seen of The Mandalorian uh, coming to the big screen soon and The Mandalorian and Grogu, terrible. No, couldn't, couldn't be less excited for a film. <laughs> like, the, the, the thing is that with that is that if you were going to name one of the two properties, Mandalorian and Grogu, name the first one, The Mandalorian and Grogu. So everyone's like, who the fuck is Grogu? Mm-hmm. And then, like you know, like you could have a reveal, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, um, but yeah, like poor direction as well. There's like the 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 thing that I pointed out like immediately after seeing it is that that there's, well, they're in the um the fucking quantum realm or whatever the whole time, so they are technically infinitesimally small. But there's a bit where Cassie, his daughter, learns how to become big to use her giant man powers and then ant-man shows up and is like oh my god you're huge they're the same size there is nothing in the scene or the filmmaking or anything other than him saying that to indicate that they are larger than normal they are Mm. the background is cgi every character they're interacting with is cgi it is shot identically there is no attempt to show any scale it's just like 101 filmmaking peyton reed yeah yeah and it's it's like i'm kind of like bored by the plot in general the kind of like like it could have been like a journey to the center of the earth send up but it's Mm. it's not really even that um one thing that i thought coming out of it that was funny is like the title is like such a like quantum mania like it's very silly it's a very whimsical title Mm. and it's got to be like the least sense of humor an ant-man film has ever had this should not be called what it's called well i don't know i don't have an idea for what it should be called ant-man and wasp and king yeah something else because this is just not what the movie is about um also on kang is that like setting up i mean obviously there's shit gone down since this came out but like setting up your big next phase villain and being like and in his first proper appearance he loses to ant-man because there was clearly like the ending was clearly reshot there was apparently like leaks almost a year earlier which were the exact plot except the ending was different because it ends with like you think they're stuck in the quantum realm and then they defeat kang and get out um and then there's a very sort of rushed ending where it's supposed to be like oh what's happening but it's so needed to be kang got out and they were stuck in the quantum realm because now it's like kang isn't a threat (laughs) you know like he lost to your c tier hero well he he lost he lost to the criminal justice system (laughs) very good jeremy uh, and <laughs> we can't move on from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, of course, without talking about MODOK. Jeremy, did you mm. see, you didn't see Quantumania. Do you know who MODOK is? I, I I haven't, do you know, I haven't seen a single Ant-Man movie because just literally <laughs> the, the entire concept of that as a character, I've just been like, no. So the only interaction I've <laughs> had happen. with Ant-Man is through like the, the Avengers um, mm. and mm. through his involvement so- in other 
so to paint a picture for you, and I'm not a comic book fan by any means, but from what I understand, I actually think Modoc, they're quite lame. Um, uh, pushes glasses up nose. Um, <laughs> I I Modok is like a quite a popular villain in in comic fan world because he's just an incredibly brash character design it's he's he's essentially like a floating box with a giant face in the middle he looks like um george lopez in uh lava yeah, Girl. Mr. <laughs> um, and uh but very popular in comics there was an a stop motion animated series made of oh him. my gosh i'm looking at it now Holy yeah where where um uh, pat and oswald played him very popular villain and i think i yeah. was looking forward to yeah i was looking forward to modok appearing in the mcu at some point because i was like god you you swing for the fences you know you mm. cast jim carrey as modok or you mm. cast you know cast a big heavyweight comedic actor in this well and Penn Oswald Modoc, wanted to play it for a long time Penn Oswald doing... sh- should have played yeah. him in live action and then in Quantumania it is revealed that not only did they not uh cast a big heavyweight to play Modoc, they cast Corey Stoll a lightweight who a lightweight who's not a who's not a comedic actor and played yellow jacket in the first ant-man movie maybe the the like genesis of forgettable marvel villains like literally just a bald white man um, no offense jeremy <laughs> but you, you know what i'm saying like like they don't talk about is, my community without being a part of it <laughs> he is a he is like a um a blank slate kind of character and people complained about him in the first ant-man film about him being just a a boring evil version of ant-man uh and then i just think it's such an inexplicable choice to make that character become modok this interesting fascinating like uh experimental villain they were like let's cast our most boring character we've already used the thing is that like when he's revealed like because he shows up with like a mask on then it it gets lifted and you're like holy shit darren cross from the first film and it's Mm -hmm. like the the disgusting cgi and the blandness of Corey stoll's face are like i couldn't tell it was him they had to do it they (laughs) they showed you a little flashback but it's like you need to cast someone with a super distinctive face or voice hmm and yeah, exactly yeah like if you if you'd cast a known voice actor or something like that or yeah even just yeah. someone with a more notable voice than Corey stole it needs to be yeah. someone people do impressions of yeah and you see there's like a little montage where it shows how he became modok <laughs> and you see his little butt in it and no one in my theater giggled or laughed and it made it feel like it was like <laughs> you know like you know in like prestige dramas where it like dramatically shows someone's butt like, like that's what it felt they were really being yeah, po-faced and how it they felt it. like a dramatic beat but because no one laughed is what i'm saying but just disgusting cgi maybe the most unpleasant looking character i've seen in years i and can't remember one of those frustrating things like i remember with godzilla king of the monsters that it's like no i'm on your side with like godzilla king of the monsters should be just dumb monsters fighting and stuff but like modok should look ridiculous but it's like you have right failed kind of at trying to do what you were trying to do yeah 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 exactly. exactly uh also in february we had cocaine beer um which was it was fun a three and a half star movie classic three and a half star movie to me it was like it's the closest thing I've seen in modern years to like a without a paddle or a Euro trip. Totally, um, totally. Where it's like a movie that's R-rated, 
an r-rated comedy with a high-ish concept um and you you go to your friend's house for a sleepover and if you it's the one cool friend or like the, the one friend with a cool mom who will let you get out an r-rated movie even though you're only 13 and you put yeah. this on and you have it and it's a it's a formative experience for you I 100% agree, and I have nothing to add, Richard. That's exactly how I feel about cocaine beer. <laughs> uh, Creed 3, this was one of my, my first of my most anticipated for 2023. Another film with uh, Jonathan Majors in it, who has... Ooh, ooh. Uh, he's great in the film, and I interviewed <laughs> him, and I had a great chat with him about the film. But the... Yeah. Uh, Creed 3, yeah, it's, it's interesting because this was a film I was really excited for, but was tempering my expectations because Sylvester Stallone wasn't coming back for it he has like issues with the guy who currently holds the rights and but Michael B. Jordan taking over directing was super interesting to be you know see what he does with his directorial debut and there's a few far-fetched Rocky-esque sort of things it's, it is very Rocky 3 in a lot of ways that you have this like mm-hmm. angry guy um, Jonathan Major's character comes out of prison and it's very much like you have the life I should have had like um, Club of Lang sort of thing um, but the main thing I will I mean I like I, I genuinely loved the film it was, it was near the top of my ranking for the year for, for a long time but the main thing is that like yeah Michael B. Jordan has a distinctive directorial style especially the way he shot the fights he's very heavily inspired by anime which was like the thing that he kept on talking about but the final fight between mages and um jordan is like it it, it brought a new visual style to you know like nine films into a franchise which is Mm. which is cool Mm. yeah i i didn't see this and was going to and guess you know guess what happened before i saw it and it was just not really in the mood to to watch it anymore again jonathan majors oh. shit <laughs> um but it was funny because again this was like a video i'd edited i edited a junket interview for letterboxd that had jonathan majors in it and, and you're like man that uh, guy can do no wrong <laughs> it literally felt i was a great interview i was like what a charming guy yeah, I got um, along with and him. And we released, I think we made two videos from it. One of them came out while it was in theaters and the other one we saved to release for VOD. Mm. But by the time it came out on VOD, it was like, uh, hey, AJ, can we uh, remove all the Jonathan Majors clips from that video <laughs> before we post it? Which is like, it's one of these things, same with the the strikes this year, how like that resulted in some very like strange work for me because mm. we didn't have interviews anymore. So I was editing some very like obscure, you know, producers being interviewed and shit. And it's like, it's funny how these major things in Hollywood happen and they affect me, you know, mm. like they affect me in quite a big way, like mm. a yeah, relatively big way. I guess you could I'm say uh, majors things. Yeah thank you that tell that just tells me because it didn't it didn't affect me at all so all that tells me yeah. is that you're actually no longer just mild-mannered aj you're an industry no. shell yeah no he definitely that's exactly what i was much. gonna say yeah so, you're embedded you're embedded in the industry yay <laughs> aj 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 has left the chat <laughs> he's gone he doesn't <laughs> need the podcast anymore um yeah, Jeremy, apparently last year on the podcast, I didn't re-listen to our most anticipated, but one of our listeners, Dr. Beryl, uh, sent me a a list of things to follow up on. And yeah, one was that, Jeremy, I promised I would take you to Scream 6. And then I actually remember 
not being able to find someone to go with and i and I, I went with i ended up going with a friend of mine but you know and if she's listening to this one that wasn't necessarily at the top of my list um of people to take but um <laughs> i don't remember asking you jeremy and i it's fine i promised no take you. and you the I thing is ask. you did actually ask me a couple of times this year yeah. um you sort of did that classic thing that you did that classic thing that people who don't have children do where they assume that people who have children can like just you know do it's called being polite things. jeremy Mm. No, no, no. It, 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 you know, like you can do social things with like a day or two's notice, and you text yeah. me, and you're like, "Oh, hey, in two days, I've got this." I was like, "Ah, oh, that." Well, so I often, what that, what always that's... happens is that I invite someone, like especially if it's like someone that's like particularly interested in, in the film that I've got a, a ticket to the premiere, and then they go, "Yeah, man, super keen," and then at five o'clock, the film is at you know, you arrive at six for a film at six thirty. At five o'clock, they go, "Oh, hey, man, I think I'm just gonna go home. Um, you'll be all good to find someone else." And I go, yeah, man, no worries. Like this happened to me <laughs> maybe 70% of the movies I, I had like premieres. Really? Yeah. Happens man. all the time. And it's so annoying. I think, because, yeah, if yeah. people if people are getting something for free, they don't value it, right? So yeah, there exactly, you go. yeah. <laughs> um, but then it's like, I, I think, so I end up going to a lot of them alone. And it's been like when I've got like four tickets for something, it's like, well, there's <laughs> three people that couldn't go um because i was hogging their tickets um scream six though yeah uh i at the time loved it haven't really thought about it since in the same way that i did with scream five yeah i i was staggered to learn people think this is better than scream five i like i liked it but it's the same thing as you i liked this fine but seeing how much people loved it made me like it less because to me this is so clearly like I'd put it above four and three, but I'd mm. put all the other Scream movies like miles ahead. Like it felt like the least meta of them so far, which is disappointing because that's kind of like mm. why it you was go meta to a in, Scream in different film. ways, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think that Scream Five is so clever and so. But then um, I found I didn't find out until this was coming out that people hated Scream Five. It's considered like a bad sequel. In Scream horror- Five is yeah. I, I, I get on seeing TikToks that's like, oh, you know, you have to watch one of these. And it's like, Freddy's Dead, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, Scream 5, um, Halloween 6. And it's like, this is not remotely in the conversation. <laughs> like, this no. is, Scream 5 is better than most of the first films in these franchises. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I thought it was, it was excellent. But wow. um, no, yeah, I just really like... I wasn't very into like the. I, I felt like the New York setting didn't add anything mm. to it. Um, I felt like felt like the, the bubble summer- burst a little bit with like how it was like it. It felt like oh, we're wrapping up everything, and because like the last one was such a love letter to just like the franchise, and then this one being going one step further, it felt like they were closing the door on it in a lot of ways because they were like, it's copycat killers and they have all of the masks and suits from the Mm, previous killers mm. and yeah yeah it's just getting a bit too tunneled down isn't it Mm. like the first one the first scream is like what if there was a a horror movie that was a pastiche on horror movies and now scream six is like what if there was a horror movie that was like a pastiche on the nature of um (laughs) the franchises uh existing in this way and our, our language around franchises and um how we react and how we respond to to 
win the and it was just like the whole thing is a parody of franchises you don't need to do a dedicated one that's a parody of franchises i thought because that was that was this one's thing scream 5 was what like a a soft reboot parody whereas this was like a parody on a film becoming a franchise but it's like it's been a franchise for four films yeah i i really liked the um opening like cold open is about um like you follow someone dressing up as Ghostface as they go to kill some yeah, someone yeah, yeah. and we both talked about this after we saw it richard that like there's a flat there was a moment where i was like oh scream six is going to be the the send up of like both sort of like these true crime documentaries or things like joker or nightcrawler mm. like like the one that follows the villain what a cool obvious idea yeah the yeah, origin, the, yeah just the sympathetic villain origin finding story. out who the killer is straight away i was like of course that's where you go with this film yeah and then that's not what it was at all but that's that's the movie i would have preferred yeah um my Tony my pitch... as the as the killer remember remember before this came out everyone was like oh what kind of sequel is it mm. going to send up and i liked the idea of it doing a none of the other sequels counts yeah. you know this and is this bring is a, back, a direct um, sequel to the first one what's his name randy yeah yeah but do it in a way that's that doesn't actually because the, the scream movies the real world still exists around the things they're hanging up, right? So the way to do this would be if in, if they do it in Scream 7 or whatever, it's got to be that, like, there is now a killer that believes that the, the events of the first film were the only ones that counted and is actively creating a murder spree to make it look like it's ignoring the five sequels between <laughs> yeah, yeah. the you, you know it can't literally be that because it can't it, can't well, it, literally it needs be... to be that, that, that billy and Stu were the only two that counted yeah yeah, yeah exactly but it, but it can't be yeah. in the universe itself the story has reset because that's not in the language of scream it's yeah, always i would just love to see jamie kennedy back there. though that's <laughs> true that's true yeah. Maybe he's the killer, and he was like, "No, it didn't count because wow. I wasn't killed by Billy and Stu." No, but but the thing is, like, it, it, scream movies. Like, the funniest part of scream movies is how far fetched the the killer has to go to create the parameters of mm. what they're trying to tribute. So the the real life killer in, in scream seven would find the real life jamie kennedy and be like you kind of look like the guy <laughs> you know they'd find lookalikes that are played yeah. by the characters and bring them back yeah, yeah nice so uh next up another film that i don't think you saw jeremy but you were quite excited for is shazam fury of the gods well i blew my load on being excited for this movie because of um uh, now I can't even remember his name. Uh, Zachary Levi, yeah, and yeah. then literally the day after we recorded it, it came out that Zachary Levi was sort of persona non grata uh, in polite <laughs> society anymore. So, look, I decided not to further burnish my um, my alt right credentials by going and seeing this movie. <laughs> uh, it was yeah. so bad. Holy it shit! Sounds like oh, it, was so bad. it was garbage, man. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's really disappointing. Yeah, mm. like just and, and like, but one of those crazy movies, like um, uh, Rise of Skywalker, where it's like I can't believe that the same person who put like yeah. so much love and fun into the other film would just make this pile of shit. Like, it also has the the looming over it that it's like the the um, franchise is about to end, so why invest in this? But like, it was mm. it was a slog to get through. It's it's a boring film um 
Wonder Woman shows up uh, at a kid's funeral. I've seen that scene. It's so funny that it's like, yeah, it went viral on Twitter like this week that the spoilers for Shazam Fury of the Gods, but Billy Batson dies and they're at his funeral. They're mourning him. And then you hear, <laughs> and Wonder Woman shows up and she like fucking lightning bolts the ground or some shit. And then he comes back to life. It's so stupid. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> You're like, it's that easy to bring people back to life? Cool, great. Yeah. There go there goes the stakes. Uh, yeah. So sixty-five, this was the film where um Adam Driver fights dinosaurs. I watched this on a plane uh earlier this year. Oh wow. A yeah. fantastic plane watch. Good yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh Fine. I saw sixty five <laughs> in cinemas the wrong way to see. Yeah, you're like, I'm done with cape shit for the year. My brain deserves so much better than that. Um anyway, two okay. tickets to sixty five, please. Let let me say what I liked about sixty five. First of all, I'll pay I'll pay money to see sixty five least. <laughs> pay $65 see Adam Driver like Adam Driver is like a green flag I think for a movie that looks like it would otherwise Ooh, be dumb agree actually really agree yeah um this movie and, and here's one other thing I like about this I thought it was cool to see another major blockbuster about dinosaurs that isn't Jurassic Park and see like photorealistic but very different designs for what dinosaurs looked like right like i think mm. that that's that was interesting they they embrace more of the like bird-esque elements yeah, of yeah. dinosaurs that scientists now believe is what dinosaurs actually look like um and that's about all i liked about it um i think this movie needed a sense of humor my god it needed a sense of humor <laughs> it needed it needed to be like the mummy kind of you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- real world stakes but the characters are lovable and quippy um but it was just really boring uh my favorite letterbox review i wrote this year was for this movie which was um call me 65 the way i'd be falling asleep in the cinema um but the the thing i pause for the uproarious <laughs> laughter um that came from that um but i uh the biggest problem I have, and I think we might have talked about this when we talked about the movie for most anticipated, because it was such a as one of the these trailer like, had just dropped when we do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just this. It was this fun one of these fundamental decisions I disagree with. Do you remember when we talked about this? Is going back some years. Do you remember talking about Holiday on Netflix? Miss twenty twenty. Yeah, man. And I, how I didn't yes. stop thinking about it. Yeah, and how I I brought up the point that the fact that everyone knows the couple are pretending to be a couple completely dismantles the whole concept of the film. This movie is about... Okay, well, that was that was yeah, a yeah, very yeah, a yeah. salient as fuck point that I made about fuck that film. Fuck yeah, bro, your points are so salient. <laughs> bro, fuck your points are salient, bro. <laughs> um, this movie is about a... An alien race that look identical to humans, um, whose their planet's dying, and Adam Driver Noah Noah's arcs a ship out into the universe where he crash lands on prehistoric Earth, right? And I just think that is wrong. He should be a human in the not too distant future that like goes through a time bubble in space and ends up back on earth because without that not only does the character not have like context for what a dinosaur is which i feel is like would be the most interesting thing for a human being to like dissect about being stuck in a prehistoric place but the film is also regrettably called 65 
as in 65 million years ago. But if you're not, if they're not from Earth, that is a that is that title. Yeah, it should be called now. No, that, so you, that what you're title, saying is that the time needed to be diegetic time. I yeah, exactly. I'm saying that non, like the time was non-diegetic in the title. Yeah. Yeah, it say in the film it says sixty five as the title. Then it goes years ago. Our dinosaurs years ago. And, no, it does sixty five million years ago. Like, <laughs> it, it has a it has a really te- cheesy title sequence where it just spells out the concept of the mm. film for you. But if the characters aren't from Earth, then it's not sixty five million years ago because it's just like a note for me, the audience member. I don't want that. Like he should have been from. Well, the he's not watching it. He's a character in the film. Yeah, but I don't know. This is I just think that like that should have it would have been a much more interesting film if Adam Driver was a a human from the future that understood. Well, and what also like if are. you if you make if you specifically tell the audience now, don't worry, this person you're watching is not human like us. He just looks like us. He's actually an alien. Mm. Right. You immediately put a barrier between you and the character in terms of empathizing with them because yeah, totally, you know, totally. And a needless one, it sounds like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on was another film that came out in March, but none of us saw it. <laughs> so, uh, one one film interesting. Like, I know this, uh, AJ. You were quite embarrassed to have this as the top as your top film for most of the year. But uh, oh jo- my god, so embarrassed. <laughs> There's this year where he's like, uh, push his glasses up nose. Uh, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> my I'm not- glasses are so far up my nose, they're digging into my skull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to point out to all the listeners that every time that AJ indeed says that he is doing it in a joking <laughs> way, he actually does push his glasses up his nose. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah, I loved this. Great film. Fantastic. It was a return to so form uh, for, the, yeah. for the franchise yeah. that's kind of had diminishing returns for the last few. Didn't watch the Continental spinoff that they made. Uh, didn't even hear anything about it. I don't know anyone that's watched it. <laughs> Mal Gibson's in it. Yeah. That's why I, That's why no one watched it. No, look, I hear... So John Wick's chapters two and three, they, they fared quite well critically, but I just think they are such a far cry from the first film. Like I... This one's perfect because it's so simple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that is like... Anyone who preferred the sequels, I was always so confused because it's quite a popular opinion. I think they have higher Rotten Tomato mm. scores, but I just thought they were so average. And so I went into John Wick Chapter 4 being like, All right, this is probably the last <laughs> one of these I'm going to give a shit about, Keanu. Like, I can't keep returning to these because you have just not, like, Chad Stahelski has just not created, like, a compelling enough story for me to want to return mm. to it, right? But fuck this movie fucking rocked. It was so fucking good that I was just blown away by it. I think it is, it's it's certainly better than two and three. I'd put it either on par or better than the first one. And it's certainly like, it's doing a different thing from the first one. So uh, I'm not as torn because it's like, I can still hold the first one as this beautiful little elegant action movie. And this is like doing a a new thing. Donnie Yen in this movie Mm. is... Oh, if we're talking about like we talked about how Scream Six hasn't stayed with us at all, despite liking it at the time, I think about um, spoilers for John for the my favorite line in John Wick Chapter Four, um, and spoilers for the film if you don't mind, Jeremy. Um, 
is not even it, listening. It, it, <laughs> the, 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 it culminates, basically the, the parameters of the film mean that while they, they have a lot of respect for each other, Donnie Yen, who's a blind assassin, and John Wick must do a duel at the end of the film and one has to kill the other, right? Like that's the, that's the, the delicious dramatic irony is that they actually quite like each other. And they're lining up for the duel. And I think it's... Um, Who's the... It's not Alfie Allen. He was in the first one. Who's the new guy? Clancy. Oh, um, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård, um, who has hired Donnie Yen to... Oh, Jeremy's got ice cream. Oh, Very what nice. the fuck? Oh, I chucked some through the Zoom, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Share it with the Zoom. Um, so... so now um, <laughs> Bill Skarsgård has hired Donnie Yen, so he's, like, acting on behalf of Donnie Yen to kill John Wick. And... Bill Skarsgård walks up to Donnie Yen and and says something like, remember, once this is all over, your debt is paid. And Donnie Yen goes, fuck off. And it's so cathartic because, like, Bill Skarsgård is this worm of a character, right? This absolute weasel who's, like, making two friends kill each other. And Donnie Yen, this this picture of, like, um, class and, you know, like, very, you know, very very serious kind of actor often, plays very wise characters, tells him to fuck off. And I think it might be my favorite f-bomb of all time or certainly my favorite one in recent years i wow. thought it's just it's, it was so funny and cathartic and powerful and more importantly i feel as a performance donnie yen is conveying so much by saying that like mm. he's not just doesn't like him he's also like you know mad that he's put him in this situation best f-bomb of the year i think mm. um and yeah, I just, I, that's one element of this film which I yeah. fucking adore. One I thing, thought it was so good. It's it's great. But I it's funny. I watched. I got to see this film early as well. But I it was very under wraps, and it was like just me, Kate Roger, who was another um, who's the reviewer for a different company, and then a security guard sitting had like sitting behind us, making sure we weren't because we had to like give up our phones and um, Apple watches and everything, and just like fuck, we were like cheering and standing up the whole time, and like. Getting the Even security, security guard. Yeah, yeah. Like we got yeah, him man, into it. That's awesome. Yeah, and so now like, I I see him every now and then um, at like events that have security, and we're always like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the thing that like got the biggest reaction from me from us in that screening was, and so Jeremy, like the third act of the film starts off with like this impossible fight that you know classic John Wick stakes that he's at the bottom of about nine flights of stairs in Paris <laughs> and he has to like very classic sort of thing has to fight his way through each level of the stairs and then he does it's like maybe a 15 minute sequence of him fighting his way up and then he gets to the top gets not Donkey Kong and, and, and then he, he gets and then he, he gets into like his last fight and he falls down a flight of stairs and then keeps rolling and falls down another flight of stairs and subsequently falls down all nine or however many flights of stairs <laughs> all the way to the bottom. I could not believe. It's I could not so believe he fell funny. back down the stairs. It is it's <laughs> such a creamy, like delicious moment. Like yeah. it's such a it's such a a good faith fuck you kind of. to the audience. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's like yeah, this is so annoying and silly and stupid. But like it, it goes has for to go so here. long. Every time you think, oh, he's about to slow down because it's like you know it'd be a flight and then like a, a plateau and then the other flight and you think he's about to stop on each of the plateaus and then 
it's so fucking funny. It's so good. Which is the thing about the John Wick films that a lot of the imitators don't get is that like how much comedy is infused into these fight scenes mm. um, and, and like rhythm as well. Yeah. You know? well, and I think what's interesting in action movies, right? Is that action movies require like really, really good action movies. Re- like they, they speak to the audience and it's a conversation between the audience's expectations and what the, mm. what the filmmakers are doing. Mm. And so like, the it's like when the filmmakers know who their audience is and they know who they're speaking to they can get away with that kind of stuff because they're looking at you going like yeah we know we yeah. know oh yeah yeah mm. wait wait till wait till you see what we've got we've got a surprise for you later yeah. you know and like and you're like oh they get me yes and fast you know spoilers for a chat later on but th- this is what the fast series has completely lost mm. is they do not they no longer like vin diesel no longer give either cares or understands his audience and yeah. so that's why they're so terrible anyway continue this episode should be called aj and richard tell jeremy about all the films that came out <laughs> <laughs> honestly change the title the the interesting <laughs> thing about the um the, the that, that thing of infusing comedy into it as well is that like later on in the year and, and skipping ahead again, I won't bring it up when we get to them. But the um, Indiana Jones came out like a week or two before Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, and it's like I enjoyed Indiana Jones at the time, but a lot of people were like, "Oh, it doesn't have that Spielberg sort of flair." And then as I thought about it more, I was like, "Yeah, like there actually is such a." even in the bad one or a bit like and you know mm. arguably two's not that great but like there is so much like fun in those action sequences which mission impossible does have that like there are so many comedic beats in mission impossible that are just the way tom cruise reacts to something in the middle of a fight scene and it's like it'll be half a second shot and um and uh, to me, that's what makes the Mission Impossible movies sing. It's what make John John Wick sing, and something like Indiana Jones and the Dial of, Dial of Destiny. I mean, maybe it tried it in some places, but it just had nowhere near the level mm. that 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 those films had. Like Last Crusade has some of my favorite jokes in all of cinema, um, mm. but yeah, just nothing like that. Uh, but we'll we'll come back to that later on. Any final thoughts on John Wick, Aja? No. That's currently second now. That's wow. my second favorite movie of the year. Crazy. Uh, one that uh, I saw earlier in the year, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. This was uh, interesting. So this is the directors behind Game Night and Vacation. Mm. So like a, a, a semi, what's becoming a semi-common thing is that, you know, you get, uh, you have a good indie or comedy or horror under your belt. And then you get given a big blockbuster like Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I was in a really bad mood when I watched this, I was really tired and really grumpy about something. And so I didn't love it at the time, but I, every time someone asked me about it, I would preface it with saying I was really tired and grumpy when I watched it. Um, but it's like, I, I, I can see it's a good film. I can see how much fun people had with it. And the, I, I was at the premiere, but the the most special thing is that because I was sitting with these like diehard fans, being able, even though I'm not part of the fan base that it's that it's um, catering to necessarily, but like there would be uh, an establishing shot which would go past, uh, you know, the the support beams in a building, and there would be a creature sitting on top of that support beam, and people would laugh and cheer and you know chris pine would be like yeah yeah we've just uh we've 
pull that job over and blah, blah, blah. And then people will be like, oh, holy shit. And so it's like, <laughs> it was just so cool to see, oh, this is the the film that these people have been waiting for. And mm. on top of that, it's not alienating me. Um, I'm alienating myself because of my grumpy mood. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just like, it, it's, a, it's a fun movie. And I, I hope they get to make more of them because- you know, it's not necessarily like quite a quite an original blockbuster, but it's a new IP for the big screen. Yeah, a, give me a, a franchise. I I don't have anything against this movie. I don't think it it, it hasn't stayed with me or anything. Yeah. But like, it was fun. It was funny. Yeah. I think I think maybe I got everything I needed from it from the trailer. Yeah, yeah. And then not that I disliked the movie or that the trailer spoiled the movie mm. or anything. It's just like, oh, Hugh Grant is a villain. How interesting! And then seeing the movie, it's like, oh yeah, this is. Oh yeah, same character who played in Ruse de Guerre <laughs> or the Gentleman. Uh, now next up, well, one of the ones that I had as my most anticipated, uh, one of the biggest, one of the highest grossing films of the year, the Super Mario Bros. movie. Hmm. I thought this was you, great. You I tell the story, Richard. <laughs> tell, the, tell the story of your experience with this film. Uh, so, well, the, the whole thing. So, I, got, I again got to see this film early, but it was like Nintendo was so, so, so under lock and key with this film that it was like I got notification like a day earlier uh, or like less than a day earlier about this film where I normally have like a week or two's notice. And. It was like, if you can't make the screening, you can't do the junket interview uh, because I was going to be interviewing Jack Black for it. And I just had this whole fucking blob at work about like me prioritizing different things, yada, yada, yada. It was like this horrible thing to like get time off work. Well, it was for work, but like to um, make sure I could make the screening. And it was like, yeah, the super lockdown, early thing, NDAs up the wazoo, whatnot. And... um but after seeing it, like when the when the review embargo lifted, I was like, "Video game curse is broken, you guys. This film fucking rocks." Like you messaged me, done it. "Video game curse in tatters." Yeah, is your exact which word. is I was I was borrowing a turn of phrase from you because you you love the in tatters thing. So I was like, "Age, will get a kick out of this." And to then, shreds, you say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then more reviews started trickling out, and uh, the film didn't have great reviews i also um uh lost out on my interview with um jack black by uh another company being being snakish and uh stealing it from me um but yeah i mean i thought this movie was great like it ended up becoming a critics hate it but the fans love it kind of movie and it grossed over a billion dollars it was the first one to do it this year and I ended up seeing it twice because I, I I went when it was out in cinemas. I, I went again. I took Jess, and we were both like, "Yeah, it's fun." I, 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 you don't see the hatred for it. I can see why you don't think it's as good as I maybe thought, but yeah. I I messaged you after I saw it and said, "Video game curse alive and well." <laughs> see, Very um, healthy indeed. Yes. No. Look, I. Oh my god! I, again, I haven't thought about it much since seeing it. I just, mm. just so tiresome. I didn't really enjoy any of the performances. Um, I didn't really enjoy the. St- it's v- very generic. Yeah. Uh, I think that I Mario, that <laughs> Mario, <laughs> Mario is inherently quite a like unappealing main character for a for a movie uh, to be honest i would also call him unappealing for a video game but i've been unequivocally proven wrong and that's a problem, <laughs> yeah. I guess. um but like the and like i just felt like 
Like everyone, everyone was mad when I'm just Ken got into the like best song, best original song conversation, but Peaches by Bowser didn't, and it's like that was not a song. Peaches by Bowser is just Jack Black improvising to like a weak piano melody. Yeah. Like I am so surprised that took off. I thought I expected better from Jack Black. So I did I. When when the film and that bit in the film started, and it's like, oh my god, he's singing. I was like, of course. Come on, yeah. Jack. Like, you know, bring yeah. me the song that's going to be an earworm and I'm going to have it stuck in my head all year, but I'm not going to want it out of my head. And then it's just, he's saying the word peaches over and over again. Yeah. Um, I I just thought it was real bad, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did not like it at all. just thought it was dumb. Now I wish I'd seen it so I could be like the deciding vote. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because you know what I would have thought about it, don't you? <laughs> you would have loved it. The uh, uh, Renfield, uh, the film where Nicolas Cage plays Dracula, which interesting, which randomly was like the week of its release was was pulled from release in New Zealand, so it was advertised for ages and then just never came out. Um, right. But I watched it on a plane as well. Uh, nice <laughs> this year. Good choice. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage are both really good in the film. Like, yeah, ah. both really, really good, really fun performances. And you know, everyone loves Nicholas Cage, but this was one of the watching the film. It was one of those performances where I was like, I get it. I, I fully yeah. get Nicholas Cage, yeah. and that it's not just a meme. It is there is genuine talent, you know. Yeah, um, totally. And then right. also Nicholas Holt is just like so much fun in the film. It's 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 a really cute fun little film yeah, yeah. a three and a half it's star really interesting film because i heard i heard multiple reviews that were all like eh it's crap he's both of them are terrible I, so that's really I cool didn't to see hear it because, because of i was that. yeah yeah i was really disappointed when i saw the reviews i was like oh i was really looking forward to this so yeah. maybe maybe um, I, I was maybe, like three and a half available to me three and a half star film though. like it, it's <laughs> oh, that don't get me wrong solid solid film but with yeah a couple of really good performances I, I, my main connection with this film is I saw a clip from a podcast where they're interviewing Nicholas Holt and he rings up Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it's, it's live from the, the radio show where they like, um, get people to call, uh, like one of their famous friends and ask if they're standing right. up or sitting down. Yeah. And he was, he was like, oh, I'm just lying on my bed looking at cars. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're going to buy one? Oh, no, just looking. Oh, Do you see our film got a positive audience score on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah so yeah, next up one that i won't i won't harp on about but one that i was very excited for suzume which was the latest film from the guy that made your name and weathering with you uh it good yeah it's a little bit more of the same he originally wanted to make it a queer love story which is really interesting and watching it through that lens because it's kind of like ah the other love story is a little bit you know we've seen this before uh but the, the studio told him it had to be a a straight love story um what a cool thing for a studio to tell yeah exactly <laughs> but uh but the thing i will say about it is it's it's so fucking funny like 
I that was that was the thing that really struck me about it. The I thing I'll like, say about it was they made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now one that AJ, I hope you'll, uh, lend me the same, uh, as I just did to you that only you have seen, uh, Bo is afraid. What did you just do to me? I, uh, only talked about mine for like a minute. (laughs) Right. I mean, Bo is afraid was pretty big release of the year. Very divisive, very controversial. Um, the fact that it's three hours is why I didn't see it. Oh, it flew by. I didn't even notice. I was actually surprised when it ended because I was like, has it been three hours? Mm. Um, but what I will say is you two would fucking hate it. Both of you would. For, di- for different reasons, you two would both fucking hate why it. Would, why I would each of us it. hate it? Fuck um, you. Richard, Richard <laughs> you, would think, fucked, you would think it's, it's too long and like... Hard, like unnecessarily uh, complicated, and Jeremy, you would think it's like pretentious and um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Jeremy, you and just hate bo- it because you're racist, and you'd <laughs> both be correct. Um, but I, it just, it was like I really liked it. I think where have I ranked it? It is my eleventh um, favorite film of the year. Wow. Um, I thought it was I still didn't great. even watch I, the trailer. I don't, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Um, it's just it's a very strange very shocking movie it's one of these movies similar to saltburn where like people who don't watch as much movies as we do go like this is insane Mm. yeah it's many movies Um, sorry i beg your pardon jerry push your glasses up you're so kind for correcting me uh but yeah i don't know i thought it was great i thought it was fun i thought it was uh very visually spectacular very visually Mm. um unique and uh had some really shocking scary uh (gasps) moments in it spooky uh speaking of shocking scary moments evil dead rise came out earlier this year which i'm surprised you never actually got around to seeing aj no, that's one of the ones that slipped through my sneaky little fingers. <laughs> my greasy, grubby little sausage fingers. Uh, so this yeah, was one yeah, that... Prince Charles... Uh, your King Charles <laughs> fingers. <laughs> yeah, thank- he's actually King Charles, Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, this was one that I was asked to review or like to and do the junket for. And I was like, not going to do it because I was like, I don't want, especially in cinemas, I don't want to watch in cinemas, but it was filmed in New Zealand. So I was like, fuck, I feel like, and I was going to be the only New Zealand media doing it. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I should. So I watched this at like 9am on a Tuesday by myself in like a pitch black theater and um, pulled, took my like overshirt off, held it as a blanket in front of me uh, for the scary bits. (laughs) And like- (laughs) Thank you, Jeremy. But the uh, you're so cute. The thing- don't laugh at him. He was a very brave boy. I was. I was so brave. You have no idea. But the it's interesting that the because I I people I, I found it quite scary. I'll I'll be honest. But the I saw um I recommended it to some friends because and they were like yeah it was good it wasn't that scary there was no jump scares and I was like okay fine whatever. <laughs> but the uh the thing it's interesting that like Evil Dead. Uh, like its thing now is that it just these really like visceral things like so you know in the, in the 2013 one there was like the chick licking the um razor blade like pulling a needle out of her eye it's like it's like so in this one it's like someone swallows glass and you see it like poke at, like a super close-up of it 
poking out of their neck. You see uh, someone's trying to crawl away and they get a cheese grater like slammed on the back of their um, calf and like a massive chunk taken out. And it's like all these kind of things that just those things that make you like you feel it in your body while it's happening yeah but it's it's a really cool movie it's it's really good like is it the one i saw there was an i think it was an evil dead thing um the thing about all the blood in the elevator and how they managed to achieve that yeah yeah um but yeah like it's it's really great like the um elizabeth sutherland who plays the 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 one who becomes possessed is does a great performance lily sullivan it's like a star making performance from her i thought and yeah just like a lot of fun the opening is like really cool as well the the title card is probably my favorite title card of the year it's like really well done and um yeah no just just would recommend coming out of the light yeah yeah something like that yeah but it's like it's also it doesn't come across uh probably as much as like when you're just watching it on uh, twitter or whatever but like it I, is a gif on twitter yeah it is so fucking loud that moment mm, <laughs> like mm. the, the the evil dead like this film has a really great sound design to like heighten how scary it is um but um just the way the opening the intro ramps up because it's kind of like this is the last time this happens so it's like a very condensed version of like not of like a previous film but like the people that this happened to before the main characters mm. and um and it like the way it just ramps up and then there's like this deafening roar as the words evil dead rise like rise above the hills behind this lake it's it's great um nice first film uh, is this the first film uh, jeremy that you've seen that to talk about (laughs) Uh, i think so (laughs) yeah so guardians of the galaxy volume three jeremy what did you think of it Eh. Eh. if i could just jump in before jeremy and Was that joke? No, that was a that was a laugh. That was a wee a wee jape. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy three. Like, I mean, I feel like they blew their load already, and there's not that much left to care about. And so, the 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 whole time in the theater, <laughs> I was just like, yes, I recognize all these characters. Yes. They've got, I mean, you know, Gamora coming back and not being in love with him and stuff like that. But it just felt like that was literally the only beat that the that they had for the entire movie mm. was the whole like, will they, won't they, with Gamora I, thing. And it's also probably the most interesting part of the movie, which is actually, I think there are plenty beats, but you, that's the one you're remembering because it was the most interesting. Mm. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the rest, that, that was the only one that really stuck out as like a, oh, this is something you can hang some action and some relationship around. And everything else was just kind of like, you know, uh, like um, Dave Bautista's character kind of, you know, what's going to happen with him? And what's, what about the woman, girl with the feelings? And it, it, mm. I don't know. I, it had just been too uh, long since I saw it. <laughs> it had been... <laughs> the girl with the feelings. Um, it had just been too long since I'd actually spent time with these characters. And coming back, it didn't really feel like there was any major reason to get back together with them and then man oh the mechanics of the massive skull ship at the end oh no sorry sorry the massive ship crashing into the skull planet thing at the end and how they had to like hold it there oh yeah and until everyone just everything was so clunky and i could you could just see them going like how are we gonna make this a really awesome thing and like all the children who were being kept kept captive 
I just, it was just. Who a gives bit a like, shit about no. kids? Well, I just it was just moving I've from one thing. I've got two of my own. I don't care about these ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the the thing is though, like it was just like this is the problem when you use like oh we've got thousands of children and it's just like it's it's sort of a shortcut for making you care about whether or not they live or die because they're sure. children rather than actually like getting you invested in them as people. It's just like oh they're children, so you've got to care about whether they live or die. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. just, I think that's kind of a, a, a yeah, that, that sort of sums up a lot of why I didn't care about this movie. It was like, it's like, hey, it's Guardians. It's the one in the Marvel Universe you still care about. So here you go. Here's more time with totally. them. And I'm like, I actually don't care about them. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. I, by this point, very openly sick of watching Marvel films. But everyone's like, oh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Marvel is so back. You know, everyone's like, James Gunn has done it again. And my response to that is, I'm sorry, guys. If you're out, this is no better. Well, it's a little bit better, but it's this no... is so much better than Quantumania. For sure, for oh, sure. I'm not. Look, I'm it was not a film. That. It, it was a film in which you could tell care had been taken. Mm. There were good actors still involved who yeah. maybe still enjoy playing those characters. Mm. Like yeah. they did. Yeah. They some of them at least did. And yeah, I did. But, a, I have to say the 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 planet they were on that they landed on and they like had all those mm. you know the 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 sort of townspeople who were yeah. really puzzled as to why they were there and stuff. That was kind of interesting. That was funny. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought this film was um, great. Okay, do you want to go next? <laughs> no, and I'll go last. No, you don't. No, no. that's all you had to say. Well, no, I I, 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 I do think it was great. I, I thought it was the well, best posting game Marvel movie probably but again i just don't care enough anymore and i think i think just so much better than you i think james gunn's a hack i think he's a deceiver i think he is the devil um and he's tricking everyone (laughs) into thinking that he uh has a better knowledge of superhero movies than anyone else and that's why he's going to revive dc from the ashes of which it currently is and i reckon his superman movie is gonna be average i don't know i'm just not i don't care anymore and so he's just, even he's though just, he's just next gen joss whedon yeah totally totally even though he was like hey aj you i'm talking to specifically i know you don't care about marvel anymore but you will care about this one i promise and it's just it didn't do that for me he the, i mean this is coming off the back of the holiday special that came out like december last year or december 2022 which i thought was so bad and just it did not help the case of of volume three and i'm gonna say something that's gonna get me in trouble you guys ready this is the n-word cancel him cancel (laughs) him it's not the n-word this movie tries to be like um hey look at this backstory of this raccoon and it's it's poor uh you know (laughs) this raccoon and it's poor it's it's poor it's poor grotesquely deformed animals and like how tragic when one of them dies i'm gonna say it i don't know if i care i'm so sorry it's like i I are cancelled i i think that remember when um when uh holdo does the holdo maneuver in Mm. last jedi and like 
anyone who just likes film was like that bit fucking rocked but everyone who was a star wars fan was like that should have been admiral akbar <laughs> and it's like admiral akbar is a jokey squid man i do not take that character seriously and i'm so glad it was not akbar who did the holdo r- maneuver right and in the same way it's like i get that it's like hey i'm gonna make you care about a raccoon but it's like I, I, it's still kind of like hard to to find it like completely dramatically uh, valid. I think I so agree with you that I had completely forgotten about that entire story arc <laughs> as I was thinking about Guardians. I had completely forgotten that pretty much the main story of the film was the raccoon's like backstory and redemption. Which I, is I, like his name is Rocket. I think what you guys are saying is fucked. Like. I'm sorry, I have two cats, and I love them more than I love you guys. You should be sorry that you have two cats, but okay, come on. Get fucked. Get absolutely fucked. Anyway, my feedback on that whole storyline, too sad. I was like, right. I was watching the movie and I was like, this is too sad. Yeah, maybe that's what I mean. Maybe maybe my ability to take Rocket Raccoon seriously, it requires him to exist in a spectrum of drama, and putting him past that threshold... I start to go like, well, it's just a CGI raccoon, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, this was like, I I, I was genuinely like, yeah, t- too sad. Like, you you can't toy with me like that. Mm, mm, maybe. There's another maybe film later on, which maybe you would have enjoyed um, for those same reasons, which I didn't enjoy. But uh, Book Club 2, the next chapter, I've got I quite a bit I want to say, say about this. Um, <laughs> No, it was if you liked the Is first one. Is it better one, than Book Club One? <laughs> it's it's not. I oh, it Book Club One has like this whole overarching thing that it's like very. Uh, oh my gosh! They're, you- <laughs> they're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, so there's like oh, these old women are like there's reading a, a movie sexy book about characters reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plot of a movie. Yeah, and then oh the second God. one is like those same girls they're gone on holiday and it's like (laughs) yeah it takes away the sort of like part of the hook of the first one uh fast x oh here we go jeremy you only just watched this this week um i famously thought f9 was fantastic when i watched it and then rewatched it and thought it was terrible and i i wanted to go into fast x trying to anticipate that drop off that like you get watching this film without just being like the hype of a new fast and furious movie and so yeah three and a half star film i think um, personally um but i reckon this is bad. the this is the worst blockbuster i saw this year I reckon. Oh, that's crazy absolutely that's crazy yeah, i think i think that um the problem with it is that uh like I feel I feel like I can maybe be misunderstood when talking about Fast and Furious because I think I think when people find out I I by and large don't like the series I think they have an idea of like how seriously I take how far your glasses are up your nose how how truly far I can push my glasses up the bridge of my nose um but genuinely hand on heart finger on glasses pushing <laughs> up my nose um I, Furious Seven is like a masterpiece Fast five, maybe yeah. by accident. Uh, Fast Five as well. Fast Five and Furious Seven, genuinely like whatever it is they're trying to do, they succeeded it, mm. and I can watch those movies and enjoy them. I think Fast Five is has the edge in terms of like 
how smart of a movie it is, but Furious 7 has the edge of how fun of a movie it is. Totally. And I like Furious 7. I I unironically like Furious 7. Um, I think it's probably an accident that it's so good but i un- i unironically <laughs> like it right? it was a car accident that was so good <laughs> are you referring to just the general cars and the fast no i'm talking about the fact, fact that, that paul walker died in a car uh, accident you were making the the dark joke yeah, okay was. um and since furious 7 it has just been so clear to me that they should stop doing these mm. like it has been so clear that this this is a way that um all these uh, built men who aren't enough in touch with their emotions. This is how they have to deal with their friend dying. It feels like they don't know how else to like uh, work through that baggage other than to keep making these, despite the universe seemingly being like, you had a pretty good ending. You could keep it there. Um, And this is, I thought this was so silly. I thought it was so stupid. We talked about it on Patreon for the record. If you want more in depth views on it. Um, I liked um, Jason Momoa's, character i thought yep what a fun character wish he was wish like i wish all of them had fun villains like this Mm. now basically um that's the nicest thing i can say about it i think vin diesel is lost to this franchise i think he he is just like never getting out the promotional (laughs) tour for it where he's like because this is, you know, Fast X, this is part one and there's going to be a part two. And he was like teased to part three. And then he said like, um, and then this one where he's like, you know, when we finish off this one that we can talk about spinoffs. Spinoffs? Did he just say spinoffs? Oh, yeah, he's, he's like waiting for someone to be yeah. like, whoa. And then there's the it's one like where when he- when I made that joke before and no one laughed. Yeah, it's exactly like that. But he, he um, you are Vin Diesel. But he, uh, he also talks about- um, doing a spinoff called uh, called the Toretto's which is so it's like uh, I, I when it had when he announced that I retweeted it being like I can't wait for the new Breaking Bad spinoff Walt and Jesse and then someone was <laughs> someone replied and was like oh and the the Hank spinoff Minerals and I was like you have missed my joke but <laughs> <laughs> the Toretto sounds like a terrible like 1980s family sitcom <laughs> yeah yeah um, no, I don't know. Like, I thought the ending was so stupid. I think there's so many holes to poke in it. And as my astute letterboxed review for this film said, <laughs> the joke isn't funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think like whatever was so great about Furious Seven, it had enough enough good faith to get people through. I think to Hobbs and Shaw. I don't think F Nine received the same mm. um, treatment. Except from me. But except from you. <laughs> um, but I, th- I don't know. I just think that. I think that uh, the parabola is is dipped now and there's no getting back to the heights of Furious 7, no matter what they do. And I also think, um, what's his name? Louis Leterio. One of the worst directors to helm a franchise that's chock-a-block full of some questionable directors <laughs> to say the least um and just yeah the filmmaking's not as not as, not as good yeah justin lynn was is the goat yeah but i don't like half of the ones he did either, yeah so. well i think james Wan probably is the yeah. best one. i mean as as the person on this podcast who famously loves pretty much like loves all of them i don't mm. unironically this was hateful like mm. this film was just the biggest part there was nothing to enjoy for me in this film like every other fast movie like you know you basically get to and like 
what happens for me in fast movies is that they always add something new onto the top of the pile and even though the rest mm. of the pile is kind of going down in terms of how much you can enjoyment you can kind of wring from it and like you know for instance like dom has just been a horrendously you know po-faced boring character for the last like mm. five movies but it's okay because they could have sort of keep jumping up other characters to make them shine mm. and they bring more people in and they brought the rock in and that was great and then they bring in you know every villain that then turns into the next sort of <laughs> yeah. good guy and, stuff like that. and yeah. they've they've just run out of good people to bring in they brought in jason momoa and i could not stand a second of him on screen like, like damn I just, the beast part of the movie did, you couldn't said, stand oh Woo! i literally just couldn't stand Must him have been rough for you he was just, it was just so like, it was like he was just too self-aware as an actor mm. of like, oh, I'm going to be the fun villain. Yeah. Oh, I'm outrageous. And like, I just hated it. I hated it. It's, it's like when you watch like a, it's like, you know, when you're watching like a kid who's been told that they are really, really good on stage mm. and yet they don't actually have the self-awareness to act well yet, but they just have all the sort of confidence and um, is it Bradagio of like you know just being like yeah like I'm mm. amazing and everyone's told me I'm amazing so I'm a performer yeah I started a podcast with one <laughs> um, I just yeah it was horrendous and the the whole chase scene through Rome just went on and on forever and mm. normally I'm a big fan of kind of the fact that physics doesn't work in the fast universe and maybe it's the direction that you're pointing out like that just yeah, lost yeah. its gloss for me uh, yeah just did not care w- wanted it to end from almost the moment i put it on yeah yeah hard out there <laughs> so another one that we've all seen the little mermaid uh may mm. a big month for for the three of us uh but yeah little mermaid uh, this aj and i've already spoken about it on patreon already and i don't know how much i i have to say here but the main thing i will say about this is that it's like for the until she goes up onto land this is far and away the best disney live action remake and then after that point it's just fine like i i i was in love with the first hour of the film and i've always thought little mermaid is less interesting in the second half anyway but yeah just to me like the the difference was nine day it was crazy yeah i guess i would say i worry i've overpraised it <laughs> from when i first saw it because now i'm like <laughs> i even like this that much i gave it like quite a good review quite you, a good you were high i remember and you and you very much yeah, let that, that affect you i think yeah but i think also partly happen. this this film um when it came out there was such a sort of a cultural moment around it. It's like, oh, it's a black aerial. Oh no! And it's just like, oh, I just have no. so, I just have <laughs> so little time for that that I really was pulling wow. for it to be an amazing film just to shut them all up. Wait, so you sorry? Are you saying you have so little time for a black aerial or so little time for the backlash? <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Yes, because legitimately, so I was confused for a second. I was like, holy shit! Jimmy. Oh right. Okay. Well, I'll just be very clear then. <laughs> I have so little time for that kind of backlash. Um, okay. And, and and to be fair, Halle, Halle Bailey was 100% the best part of this movie. She's so good at it. Um, like, just absolutely incredible. I mean, as a, as a you know, for me, going into a, a remake of a musical, the number one thing I'm going to be looking for is the songs and mm. the, the singing. 
and her like she i didn't know it was possible she made her version of part of your world is the definitive version it's so fucking good so good and like i can't stand in musicals where someone goes to remake or redo a song and they like want to put their own spin on it and so they like do like crazy the only way to do their own spin on it seems to be to do a crazy amount of runs Mm. in really inappropriate places um and she somehow does her own runs and changes it just subtly enough and and extends notes in in parts it's just it's beautiful she does such a beautiful job her face is so eminently watchable like you just it's that innocence of the little mermaid and how she can make such t- terrible decisions yeah. <laughs> quite frankly but you believe it cuz you like she just actually is just attacking life you know like she's just going after what she's passionate about so totally believe that Almost everything else in the movie is just a massive step back from the animated mm. version. Um, and I think one one issue with these remakes that I haven't actually cottoned onto before or talked about before is that in lengthening them, what they often do is they go like, oh, you know what? What was always frustrating about the first um, Little Mermaid is that the second half of the movie where they're on land it's really just short and you don't get that much detail. So we're going to really flesh out the world. We're going to flesh out the world and give the, give you more characters in this world and make you care about it. It's just like, Hey, guess what? You know, the original filmmakers, the reason they didn't flesh out the world is because it's completely not relevant to the drama and Mm -hmm. the plot. And so they just fill out this world with a bunch of people you do not care about and give us scenes that just pad out time and just make the whole thing way more clunky. And so that, I think that's, I mean, that's, that was a massive problem with Beauty and the Beast remake. That's a massive problem here as well. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's beautifully shot in many places, but it's, again, searching for a reason to be. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Christopher Walken's Ooby-Doo, I Want to Be Like You from the Jungle Book remake? I hated it. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. So moving on to <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the number one film on Letterboxd this year. Uh it's good. It's really good. Yeah, I I've had sort of the slightly frustrating but interesting journey with this film. I rewatched it uh, two days That's ago, right, yeah. but because um, I really wanted to come to this podcast with like a clear vision and a clear review of the film, because I was one of those unlucky cinema goers that went to see this in between the like audio fix and my. God, it is. I have never been to a, a film in the cinema that has been as inaudible as this. I was so disappointed. The film and you've starts, seen Christopher Nolan's entire filmography. No, but at least those were loud. This was like <laughs> quiet. Like this was like it was set to like four out of ten volume. It was weird. Like people eating their popcorn was louder than the film. <laughs> oh, no. It was so weird. Um, and it was just like so many lines lost in the dialogue. And it doesn't help that it's a a film which like uh, has so many like narratively stylized characters. So people. Um, like for example, one of the main characters in this is Spider Punk, who's from the Punk Universe, who is like animated different from everyone else, and also like the voice is mixed separately, so I couldn't hear a thing he was saying. It was so frustrating. I I picked up enough of the plot because they sort of explain a lot of the plot and diatribes in this film. Um, but I'm so glad I watched it again. I did have to watch it in two halves, which in a lot of ways is like just as bad as not watching, <laughs> being able to watch something. They could hear it the first time um i think it's so awesome i 
do think Into the Spider-Verse has the edge. Yeah. Um, but I do think this is still a five-star film. I think that the um the way it builds what what the what what it does with its building blocks is so eminently clever and thoughtful not as in nice but as in like <laughs> thought went into how to make all this stuff works the shit around like canon events and stuff it's so brilliant and it's so great and the like i love spoilers for across the spider-verse my i think my favorite part in rewatching it that i'd forgotten about it is like how exactly they communicate to you that miles morales is a multiversal anomaly mm. i think that's such a smart uh because it, it feels retroactively thought of but it works because everything's it feels basically it feels set up and in into the spider-verse which i don't know if that would have been intentional or not uh, just the way that with the fact that the spider that bit miles was from another dimension um all that shit i i loved it i think it's not as funny as into the spider-verse which mm. is a shame um and i think a big reason for that is that peter b parker jake johnson's character isn't in it till like half over halfway through mm. and spider pig's not really in it um all these spider ham sorry all these things that made the first one unexpectedly hilarious are kind of like um they're traded out in favor of like beautiful cool energetic animation um mm. and all that's awesome it's just not funny uh, like like I, I think spider-punk is such a great character and i like that he's not two-dimensional but his like anti-authoritarian you know the joke that he's a punk uh plays into the story quite well mm. because he he's the one that helps miles like you know fight the system so all of that is great uh i just i i, I the one thing i don't like about the film is this like nostalgic terrorism of like and look it's a clip from Andrew Garfield mm. and the Amazing Spider-Man. We got him. We put and I just don't do that shit, man. Keep it out of Spider-Verse. Like it it, it, <laughs> yeah. it really like weakened it now because I'm used to seeing that bullshit in the MCU and to see it in this which is in Spider-Verse which is so like standing on its own despite everything stacked against it despite mm. it being a multiverse film despite it being a superhero film it is so its own thing and seeing yeah seeing andrew garfield it's not even a cameo it's just a recycled yeah, clip just from a, just a clip. amazing spider-man and i was just like ah i don't like that but other than that um it's so good the it's music's so good. so good the animation's so good the story's so good the character arcs are mm. so good one thing that's that's really interesting and i and i sort of felt this watching it but it wasn't like super clear until when i was i was cutting some stuff for letterboxd um for their end, end of year review stuff and so had to get a file and you know searching for like the right clips and so seeing the film with like the time code and being able to scroll through and see when things happen that like it's a very like it's well paced yeah. in the sense that yeah. like it it flows from one scene to another, but like in terms of when plot beats happen and when yeah, act changes totally. happen, it's a very strange movie. And I and it's like you know this is part very much part one of two, but like the sort of the inciting incident is like an hour into the film, and totally. then uh the sort of act two is and, and then so, yeah like the third act is the last hour of the film when it, it feels like it's the last 20 minutes but um yeah, yeah it's it's no, I agree. it's, cause I, it's also I, like I the longest it... uh western animation film ever made right. but it's like um yeah it's 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 crazy and and you're yeah, watching it you 
may or may not feel it, but yeah. Yeah, no, watching it this time, I, I rented it on YouTube and watching it with a progress bar, it was like, holy shit. And it is, it is, a, that's maybe one other thing I don't like about it is, or at least in comparison to the first film, mm. I think Into the Spider-Verse is a, a way more like obviously structured film. Mm. This, this feels like it could end at any moment after like the hour and a half. Yeah, mark, yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I, it's one of the best films of the year though, I would say. Totally, totally. So, I've I've ranked it uh, fourth. I I I think it's number two currently. I I switch around my top few every now and then. Um, but the Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. This was just like just as forgettable as you would expect. Um, there was I'd already forgotten it came out. Yeah, there was. I I, I went to see it with a friend, and there were these two characters that I was like, why the hell were they in the film? Like, they served no purpose. But apparently, when I went to go pee, they did, like, one thing, and that was the whole time that they were in the film. All they had to do. Uh, Yeah, boring. Completely forgot it. Strays. This is the other film I was talking about, about animal abuse, that you might find funny. Um, So, Strays is... uh, It's, you know, like, CGI dogs interacting. And so, it's about... Will Forte plays the owner of this dog played by uh, voiced by will ferrell and the whole joke is that like he's such an abusive owner but he think but will ferrell's character thinks that these are all games you know and so it's like oh he plays this great game where he like kicks me in the head and shit like that and um but it was like he, he was it, it was there um will ferrell's character revealed to will forte the dog revealed to will forte's girlfriend that he'd been cheating on her so he like fucking hates the dog and he's stuck with it and then he ends up he plays this game where he like drives him out to the middle of nowhere and leaves him there and then will ferrell always finds his way back and then eventually he goes so far leaves in the middle of the city drives back to the middle of nowhere and then he meets up with these other dogs who convince him like no like you are in an, an, an abusive relationship we need to sort something out and so will ferrell is like i know i'm gonna his, his favorite toy he's always playing with I'm going to bite his dick off. And so the whole film is this quest for Will, the, the dog Will Ferrell to go find Will Forte so that he can bite his dick off. And, you know, they go, it's a it's a road movie, essentially. So there's a couple of things so about this Is this, this movie good or bad? So, because so, it could go either way based on your description. A couple of things about this film. So one is that, um, and I was talking to a, to a friend of mine who worked in the promotion of this film, because I was like, I hated that. I thought that film <laughs> was so fucking bad. Um, and then she said that it was interesting that like everyone in their office, it was split between like if you had pets or not, was like whether you found it funny. Because I was right. just like, this is just a, f- a comedy about animal abuse. And I was like, I actually just <laughs> don't find that funny at all. I, I can't yeah. laugh at any of these jokes because they're so mean spirited. Um, because the, the very foundation, the foundational concept of the f- conceit of the film yeah. is that he's abusing his dog. Yeah. But and the other thing, and AJ, this is like, this is what you and I would go on about if we'd seen this movie together. So I've told you the plot of the film, spoilers for Strays, that it culminates in they find it back they get back to will forte's house and like will ferrell the whole time has kind of been like no he's still my best friend i still love him and you can he's maybe not going to go through with the dick biting but then they get there and something horrible has happened to show that he like truly doesn't care about the dog and so they like 
the one of the dog like the, the one of them is like a really big dog and he like pins will forte down by his arms well and shits in his mouth while like jamie fox and one of the other dogs are holding his legs um i think the house is burning down at this point as well and so he's wearing this sounds awesome and I so love the he's, sound of this. he's wearing these um these sweatpants like you know just those gray sweatpants and you know slow-mo uh will ferrell like the the dog chomps onto his crotch area and you can see it start to bleed as he's like screaming and then he gets a shit in his face and it's like one of these and and i was so disappointed with that scene because the entire time and you would agree with me aj if you'd seen the film i needed to see will forte's penis come off i needed to see the actual penis be it's removed. Chekhov's gun. I I need like so he, he bites the guy's dick off and then uh, uh, during the credits or a post credit scene, yeah, <laughs> Chekhov's the new Chekhov's gun. But um, they, it's like no, sorry, we weren't able to find the penis and reattach it. But it's like I needed to see his pants get pulled down, a funny prosthetic penis, and then the prosthetic penis flying through the air. And so the whole time I was like, yeah, the whole time I was like, I could tolerate this movie. I could, this could still be a win if I see a severed penis flying through the air and they didn't give that to me. And it's like, it's a, it's a very R rated comedy. I was like, I, you have failed at the one thing you set out to do. And, um, yeah. yeah. Well, because the inverse is why um fist fight yeah. while a bad movie has stuck in my mind because the fist the titular fist fight it teases the whole film it fucking rocks when you actually get to it yeah yeah uh and then so another film that came out that only i saw this was why and this is a, this was a controversial one for the year I, again i saw it a little bit early and i was maybe swept up in the hype of it a little bit but this is uh the flash which came out to incredibly bad reviews after getting like, because obviously Ezra Miller couldn't promote the film because of their crimes, but like the, so the promotional tour for this was just getting the filmmakers, getting their famous friends to tweet that they loved the film. So Stephen King, Tom Cruise tweeted about it, all these people and watching the film. Well, after the film came out, cam rips of like all these different bits went viral there's a bit where Ezra Miller puts a baby in a microwave and like in the film that is played for laughs like it's the scene where um he's a a building is collapsing and like this sort of the neonatal wing falls out the window and using his super slow-mo speeds saves each individual baby from like a very looney tunes style death it's like close up on a bottle of acid that cracks open and is flying towards a baby and so he like has to push that out of the way and one of them he saves by putting in a microwave and um the microwave's not on it's not plugged in (laughs) but then and then also at the very end of the film with like the controversial thing about they using maybe 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 not using ai but definitely cgi'd these uh actors from beyond the grave so um or adam west is kind of in it but christopher reeve is the one of the main ones and uh they use like a cgi nicholas cage he did actually film for a couple of hours but it wasn't the scene he was told it was going to be he's in it as superman and there's like all, all all these things um and like there's there's some also really dodgy CGI in it, but a lot of the stuff that people are complaining about, like the bad CGI in that scene where they've resurrected everyone, it's like I 
if you see the movie you would give it the benefit of the doubt that it's like this is a stylistic choice to look like this it's just that the style you've chosen is bad cgi like it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to look photorealistic um Mm -hmm. but the thing is that like everything else in the movie the stuff with like old michael keaton as old bruce wayne uh ezra miller is fantastic in the film like might be the best stop praising these uh, cancelled actors (laughs) like might be one of the best like lead performances i've seen in a superhero movie Uh, like the the character of uh barry allen is supposed to be kind of annoying so there is a little bit of that 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 you might find off-putting but yeah like the emotional stuff with like because the whole thing is set in motion because uh barry goes back in time to save his mum, and then that fucks up the timeline um and yeah, like the stuff with his mum is like all really well done. And it's like, yeah, you forget in spite of all of Ezra's crime, like they were a fucking good actor. Like that's how they got their name. I I did not see this. I purposefully did not see this. Um, but everything I've heard or seen about it blows my mind. Mm. Like you told me a while ago that it like has like a major story beat is based around the Eric Stoltz back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is such like, to me is like such a non mainstream thing to know. And mm. I'm not trying to push my glasses up and be a, a nerd about it. I'm just saying like, I'm surprised you'd reference Eric Stoltz's back to the future in a mainstream film. It's such a like mm. below the surface thing to know about. I've seen the multiverse clip with Nicholas Cage and Christopher Reeve. And look, you, you mentioned this, that the way they promoted it was they got all these people to talk about it. I read a tweet where James Gunn said it's his favorite movie of the year, and that is truly the death knell, because for, for me, caring about James Gunn, if he's willing to mm. either genuinely like this movie or he's selling out and saying it is, because that multiverse clip I've seen looks like the death of fucking cinema. Like, it looks like everything wrong mm. with with pop culture at the moment it, it it's Amen. like a joke yeah. it's like it's a joke you know like what's the most like creatively bankrupt offensive thing we could do in a movie where everyone is very vocal about not liking this kind of shit these days like mm. it could be it, if this came out in 2019 like pre-rise of skywalker maybe then it would have like any you know some kind of interesting clout to it but unfortunately this movie was delayed for 300 years and so the what at the time when it was first announced the very like experiment yeah yeah the very experimental like multiverse crossing over like like turning flashpoint being like it's one of the highest rated um animated justice league movies and the, the, the animated one's great and and doing that so that like like we've i've talked about this before and i don't know if i've ever quite articulated exactly what i mean but i think it's very interesting that audiences at large in the age of the multiverse are very willing to accept the idea that like ips that exist separately in real life uh, exist as other dimensions fictionally in these movies Mm. and when the flash movie the details of it being flashpoint was first announced that hadn't been done and it was genuinely quite a compelling idea i remember hearing about it in like 2017 maybe it was when that, i heard like it was michael keaton might be coming back and yeah all very interesting shit and now we live in a post spider-man no way home world where it's like 
this is bad. This is this is terrorism. This is this is using what people like and other things as a placeholder for actual compelling story. It's going, hey, you like that thing? You re- look, we we regenerated Christopher Reeve, and you're supposed to like this because you like Christopher Reeve, but it's fucking ghoulish. It's it's, yeah, it's pure it, evil, is it not? It's interesting because it's like. I was about to say this is like it's reminding me of your star it's sorry your space jam like ip yeah. harvesting rant mm. but it's not even ip harvesting it's literally like see this person see this person you loved and it's like what you, we we recreated comment. him in a computer isn't that interesting <laughs> it's Horrendous. necromancy it's digital yeah. necromancy 100% <laughs> and the it's very it's similar to what you're saying about um you know across the spider verse you know yeah. like actually don't bring in this scene from another person's movie yeah another person's creative ideas like and and with across the universe you're like no yours are better your yeah. ideas are better so don't don't feel like it's it's like when you've got a friend who like idolizes someone who's really crap and yeah. they're just like oh if only they would like take notice of me or whatever like and you're like no you're awesome like just yeah, yeah. leave it mm. yeah yeah he's talking you, about you the listener this. <laughs> <laughs> also just quickly flag that you called it across the universe not across the spider verse uh, i, I think the it's, sorry it's very funny to think of across the universe being the movie that we're talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah the, the, the beatles <laughs> music, <laughs> jukebox musical yeah like the, ip the harvesting multiverse. to the max yeah. <laughs> so uh pixar movie came out this year elemental pixar no longer a sure thing elemental is cute I liked it. Yeah, yeah. It was it's fun. three and a half star movie. It's it's very really cute. It's a very like I, I liked the you know it's it's a, a high concept romance. It it is mm. just a romance. It's a Romeo and Juliet story, but it's 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 very cute. Yeah, uh, As- I liked it. Asteroid City. I just watched this this morning, and I watched it the other night. I always Wes Anderson is an interesting interesting director for me. So the first film I saw of his was, and I, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm reiterating myself. But like the first film I saw of his was Moonrise Kingdom. I saw it in the cinema, enjoyed it enough. But I've always said like, oh, I'm not really a Wes Anderson fan because I. I but it's like I've now been following his films for like more than half his career or like yeah, half his career at least um, exact same situation with me like i said to my flatmate the other day i actually haven't seen that many wes anderson films and then i listed over half of his film- filmography yeah. that i have seen but i think it, like i liked asteroid city it's a three and a half or four star movie for me but i think that like wes anderson films are great to look at and it's everyone's first favorite director because it's the first first director that you can understand what a director does yeah exactly and um but i think his cold emotionless style of delivery just it doesn't work for me like right and i i think that's for me as the like watching this film that was i was maybe able to put my finger on it a little bit more about like yeah i think this is why i'm not on the same level of love with Wes Anderson mm. as everyone else seems to be. Yeah. I do. I, I fucking love fantastic Mr. Fox though. Nice. <laughs> I didn't see this for a while and I'd heard it was like kind of average, which mm. disappointed me because I'd been, I thought the trailer looked really cool. Yeah. Um, and I watched it. I loved it. I yeah. thought it was so good. It's I probably think, one of my um, favorites of his, but I, but it's just that 
the emotionless thing just keeps me at arm's distance. Arms right. Length, yeah. So one film it reminded me of, a film that I, I I don't like, and I'm not liking it against the grain because mo- most people do like this movie, um, is the movie Rubber about the oh, yeah, yeah. psycho tire that yeah. kills people. And what I never liked about Rubber was how like psycho telekinetic tire that kills people is enough. Do that movie. But if you've seen Rubber, you'll know that it's like its narrative device is this bullshit self-aware meta thing where like there's an audience watching the events play out through binoculars and <laughs> it's all about like it's it's doing all that and asteroid city does this too jeremy the framing device of asteroid city is that you are watching a play a very famous play called asteroid city and every now and then um one of the actors will leave the film and go backstage where they're complaining about lines or don't understand something and they ask and when that first started happening when it when it when the first scene mm. happened where it was like by the way this is this has got some funky narrative device in it i was like uh, ah like, like i'm not i'm not in the mood for this <laughs> yeah. but the way they swing it the way they use it i thought ended up being really clever because there's a scene right at the start where the guy that's playing jason schwartzman no jason schwartzman who's playing a guy who's playing the main character in the film you see the scene where he visits the playwright played by edward norton and sort of like proves that he can play the main role and there's he like asks him like oh why does augie burn his hand on the jiffy pop and and he like they discuss why why the character would do that and then an hour later that happens in the film yeah yeah like towards the end of the film you see that scene happen that they talked about over an hour earlier and because they talked about it over an hour earlier it's it's a really sneaky way to like uh, tell don't show because they go why did he do it i think he did it like this and then when he does it in the actual play or the actual movie nothing is spoken about the meaning behind it you know and it's things like that there are like deleted scenes there's like a really touching line of dialogue that you only hear when they're talking about the the, the play backstage mm. i like i ended up that that went from being like this is going to ruin the movie for me to this is the thing i'm most into in this movie i thought it was really interesting yeah, because um, it at the beginning of it, did it feel like it was going to be like a really clunky, yeah. high concept, like mechanics t- sort t- of thing? It's black and white, and then you realize, and... and then you realize your enjoyment of the film was really your enjoyment of how much they were pulling off this high concept. Exactly, and like the themes of the film, which I don't know if I know well enough to necessarily mm. regale you with them, but like they are enhanced by having characters. Um, struggle with having to perform like essentially Jason Schwartzman's character arc is I don't understand the play I'm performing and that plays into his character as well of not understanding what to do or where he is in his life and it's it's very it's very delicious mm. I thought it was very well done and very yeah, is good interesting film. there's yeah. also without spoiling it there's like a stop motion character that appears like in the middle of the film didn't know that was coming slayed me <laughs> insane insane thing to put in the film yeah oh my god so good and also <laughs> when um when there is i'll try speaking non-spoilers when there is a cameo of that clay of that yeah, stop yeah. motion animated character behind the stage best line in the film it's so i thought it was so can we just say it can we just spoil it or are you gonna watch it jeremy no i won't watch it so 
essentially the film like all through the marketing it, it lists like the massive cast list and then it says and jeff goldblum as the alien right he wasn't in any of the trailers and so it's like jeff goldblum's playing an alien what does that mean right um and the uh the the alien is just a stop-motion animated character but then you know in the final moments, or maybe the start of the third act of the film, Jason Schwartzman walks out of the play, walks past Jeff Goldblum sitting with the with his you know his costume off, um, and he's saying to like the makeup artist, you know, I like to think that I'm not actually playing an alien, I'm playing a metaphor. And Jason Schwartzman stops and goes, a metaphor for what? And he goes, no, I, I haven't figured that out yet. And it's so funny because that's the whole that's his whole struggle in a microcosm. Loved it. Thought it was such a funny line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one was great. That's now great. I think about it. Uh No Hard Feelings, the the sex comedy of the it's year. It's back. The average sex comedy is back with no hard feelings. A solid, solid two and a half to three star sex comedy, ladies and gentlemen. It's back. We are so back. <laughs> Did you guys see you, no one else saw it but no, me? I was tossing um, up between that or Asteroid City this morning and I watched Asteroid City. You made the you made the right choice. Um I thought it was fine. It's okay. I think Jennifer Lawrence is insane. She's it's a really like a new role for her. Um, a lot of people talked about how like it's problematic because it's essentially like an older woman preying on a teenager. But that is also the know. entire plot of the film, doesn't it? Like, yeah, 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 that's yeah, the point. yeah. Yeah. Um, of the two sex comedy revivals this year, Bottoms is far and away. The, the, that's the one people should be like being like, it's back. The sex comedy is back. Hmm. Uh, so finishing off the first half of the year we've got Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, which was a a massive flop and this was you know people thought this would make a billion dollars and people Jeremy didn't even see it yeah it's on Disney Plus I'm pretty sure now but it's um and I won't see it honestly if someone said hey do you want to watch Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny I'll be like no, I would kill yeah. that man. I mean, as as you said, Richard, earlier on in this episode, my biggest takeaway from it was fuck Steven Spielberg's a good director. Yeah, like, and it's exactly what you said because even <laughs> even even the bad Indiana Jones movies just feel warmer and friendlier and closer than James Mangold's Dial of Destiny, which is just like I didn't hate it, and there's some interesting stuff in it, but overall, just like. I wish Spielberg directed it, you know. Mm. Yeah, for more thoughts, check it out, Patreon. <laughs> yeah, true, where we talked about a seal escaping Auckland Zoo for most of the discussion. <laughs> That's right. Is that the first part? Is that part one of every film we watched in 2023? I think so. Well... Thank you so much, everybody. Tune in for part two, which is coming at you next week, where we'll talk from July onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so the, if you want to so hear much. our thoughts on Barbenheimer, tune mm, in. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, please subscribe to all of us at all our places. We're on Instagram at Cole Popshire, Twitter at Cole Popshire. Join our Discord where you can tell us your most uh, favourite or whatever, disappointing, whatever this thing is now. <laughs> tell us a film you saw in 2023. Um, <laughs> give, it, give us your thoughts on all the films you watched. Yeah. and <laughs> Only um, up till June. And Patreon if you want to get involved in there. And stay tuned for the post credit scene coming at you after this music ends gentlemen we'll see the audience um next week but we'll see each other and literally there will be no time between when 
when we when we stop talking about this and when we start talking about it again. And yet you're still talking about it. It's funny how they work. <laughs> Welcome along to the post-credit scene. This is a segment of the end of each episode where if you donate five dollars or more over at patreon.com slash coldpops, you get to talk get us to talk about something and this the post-credit scene. A segment that Richard and I are paid for, but Jeremy does not receive any of the earnings from Patreon. So Feel free to not say anything, just like you have been doing for this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. Although, although I do have to say, I do, I do receive the uh, contra in kind benefit of um, uh, uh, vampiring off of your Disney Plus subscription. That is true. That's, there so you go. In, there you go. In that there way, well, actually, my children get to enjoy the Patreon. Oh, I'm so yes. glad. I'm so. That's glad. great. Also, uh, so if you're listening to this and you are signed up to this Patreon tier, we are. Uh, getting close to the end of this batch of questions so uh please send in your post credit scenes questions we need some more for 2024 so but today's one comes to us from benjamin adams who says do you guys hang out outside of the podcast what's that like and what do you do richard and i hang out outside of the podcast plenty when we're in the same city and not to like pull a very disappointing curtain back it's pretty similar to how we are on the podcast <laughs> i don't think it's that different i think here's the biggest difference is instead of talking like this when i'm hanging out with richard i'll talk like this yeah but we talk about the same <laughs> we talk about the same shit i same shit. i see jeremy i would say we, we we have we have closeness that is maybe not always uh we, we're close richard and i are close friends that is maybe not always clear on pod because he's always making fun of me, but yeah. we have each other's backs. Jeremy, I haven't talked to outside of the podcast in years. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. I'm kidding, I'm what? kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, well, right. yeah, I mean, I, Jer- I see Jeremy-, Jeremy less because obviously you've got kids, but we've, we've been to a couple of movies together and stuff, and we... Every now and then, Richard will drop off a... A microphone to my house and i i might be there and i might not be yeah. but then <laughs> the the biggest sort of hang, like when you when we record these podcasts and you come to my house and we'll we'll hang out for a bit before or after well usually by the time we finish recording jeremy's like i fucking have to leave i had to leave an hour ago <laughs> <laughs> my marriage is ended <laughs> which looks like it's about to happen now as we go in to record presumably another two hours of every film we saw well let's talk about it all right anyway come here 